Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. We're up to Emet Viatziv. Let us put down, both literally and metaphorically, our discussion about holding the tzitzit. <laughs> we may mention it again someday, but I don't want to come back to it today. I re- really want to move forward. So we're um, on the what is called the third bracha of the Shema. The first bracha is Yotzer Or. Um, the second bracha is Birkat Ahava, Ahava Rabah. And following the Shema, we have the third bracha, and it starts at Vyatziv. And the Minhag, which I don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk about Halakha anymore today because we've done it a lot for the last few weeks. I'd rather talk conceptually. So the Minhag is connect. To, to connect the first word, emet, to the end of the Shema, but emet is actually not technically part of the Shema. It's not in, in uh, the Torah. So it's actually the first word of the next paragraph, emet v'yatziv. So this bracha is emet v'yatziv. Because we said the word emet at the end of our Shema, after the Chazan says Hashem Eloichem emet, then we continue v'yatziv v'nachon v'kayam v'yashar, because we already said the first word, right? But the first word is emet. So this bracha is called emet v'yatziv. <laughs> and it goes all the way up until the Amida, Baruch Hashem Ga'al Yisrael. So that is all conceptually one blessing, one bracha. Okay? Um, and like the first bracha of the Shema, Birkat Yotzer, the blessing of creation, it clearly has what seem to be different parts to it, literarily. So it's not really one smooth essay, um, but it is halachically and conceptually one unit. So we call it one bracha. So from Emet V'yatziv to Baruch HaTashem Gal Yisrael is one bracha unit. And we've seen so far Birkat Yotzer, the first bracha after the bar, who is also a long, complicated bracha with many different literary units to it, right? We have El Baruch Gadol which is have a little poem. We have the Kedusha. We have various rhyming parts to it. So it's clearly a complicated literary structure, which means it may not have been written by one person all at once. Then we had the second bracha, Ahava which is much simpler. That's actually even what we in English would call a paragraph, okay? And then here in this third bracha, once again, we have a complicated structure with different parts. So there's sort of a flow to it, and we're going to follow the flow. And the theme of this bracha is uh, more or less God's action in history. All right? So the, the three brachot, if we put them together, Franz Rosenzweig, the German theologian, his framing of it was creation, revelation, and redemption. Right, the first bracha Yotzer Or, God is creator of the world. Second bracha Avaraba, God is revealer, gives us the Torah, and then the third bracha is redemption, which is a fancy <laughs> word for saving in history. And we'll see how this bracha um, elaborates on that theme. So I will pause for questions. If there are any questions before we plunge in, we're now going to plunge in as we do word by word. Okay, let's plunge in. So we have, I think, let's count them. 
I think there's 16, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. So we have 16 synonyms for it's a good 15, 16 ways of saying, yes, it's really true. Emet v'yatsiv, right? True and certain it is. Or some of you may have grown up having it in your head. True and certain it is that there is one God and there is none. none, none. It is he redeemed us from and executed judgment on all our oppressors. Greater the things as God has done, his wonders are without number. I'm, re- I'm recalling the, the English responsive reading of my childhood in the Silverman Sidor. Did anyone else grow up with that one? Raise your hand if you know that one. No? So yeah, oh, we got a few. True and certain it is, there is one God. So true and certain, emet v'yatsiv. So it's true, it's established, it's established, it's true, it's faithful, it's mm-hmm. beloved and beloved and wonderful and wonderful and awesome and mighty and established and accepted and good and beautiful. Okay, so they're not all synonyms for true. Okay, but clearly the author here wants to heap up words. It's really true and really wonderful. Hadavar This thing for us forever and ever. What's this thing? The author didn't say this is the thing yet. It's going to be colon. So true and certain it is this thing that I'm about to tell you. Okay. How true is it? Le'olam va'ed for all eternity. Really true. Emet, truthfully, Elohe olam malkenu, our um, monarch, is the eternal deity. Olam means infinity, either in time or in space. In biblical Hebrew, it tends to mean time, and in modern Hebrew, it tends to mean space. Okay? And I'll drop in a Kabbalistic footnote. Well, I think I'll come back to the Kabbalah. Now I'll drop in the Kabbalistic footnote now. The, um, that same root can also mean disappear or invisible in Hebrew. So very often... Kabbalistic interpretations of these things make it mean invisible, meaning it's the, the infinite God is the invisible God. And invisible doesn't just mean about vision, doesn't just mean you can't see it. It means not apparent. So the Balaam makes it sort of and frequently interprets this paradoxically, right? That the God who is the mighty God, the God of all infinity is also not obvious. Did you follow that? He's the invisible God. Okay. So that's just a Kabbalistic footnote that I wanted to drop in, but I'm going to then move on and disregard it because that is not the shot. That's not the manifest simple meaning of the text. So, so our, de- our monarch is the eternal deity or the deity of eternity. Sur Yaakov, Magen Yishenu, Rock of Jacob, and our protector. Jacob is who here? Jacob is Israel. So in this case, we're not talking about the ancestor Jacob because we're not in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay? Um, Lador vador, hu kayam, ushmo kayam. For all, from generation to the next, he is, I, I guess, established, but it means, it also means uh, standing firmly. I can't think of a good word for it. So, so, from gener- one generation to the next, meaning for all generations, he is firmly established. His name is firmly established. His throne is established. 
throne symbolizing kingship, right? Just like we say, uh, just like they say the crown, right? For those who watch the crown, right? The crown means the monarchy. It's a metaphor that means the monarchy. So God's throne means God's rulership. And God's kingship and loyalty um, are firm forever in perpetuity. Okay. So what is it that's true and certain that Hashem is ruler, that his rule is established and we refer to him. We're going to get more nationalistic later on as the, as the bracha goes on, but we drop it in here that he is Sur Yaakov, the rock of Israel. What does rock connote? Of course, firm, strong, immovable, and it's an epithet for God that is used in the um, Torah. We have it later on where we say Tzur Yisrael, right? Another footnote. I've said this before, but I'll mention it again. Back in the day when the state of Israel was going to be established, there was a debate among the religious and the non-religious in Eretz Yisrael as to whether God should be mentioned in the Declaration of Independence. Who knows this story? Raise your hand. All right. You didn't remember it from last time when I told you. So there's debate about whether or not, oh, Terry does, good, whether or not to mention God in the Declaration of Independence of the State of Israel. And the compromise, um, maybe Vered or Terry will know who authored the compromise. I don't know if Ben Gurion, who actually came up with it, I don't know who came up with it, was the, um, the uh, Declaration of Independence says, with faith and trust in Sur Yisrael, the rock yeah. of Israel, which is a quote from the Bible. So religious people clearly understood that as a reference to Hashem. Yeah. And non-religious people, secular people, anti-religious people just understood that as uh, representing the mighty strength of Israel. It doesn't have to mean God, rock of Israel. Okay? So the De- Israeli Declaration of Independence says with trust in Sur Israel, and that was the way they got God into the Declaration of Independence without alienating the, um, the secular folks, because everything else was had to be a negotiation between the religious and the non-religious in Israel, as it is to continues. Here it is, low these 72 years later. It still is. Okay. So we have Tzur Yaakov here. We have Tzur Yisrael later on. If you ask me why it's Tzur Yaakov here and Tzur Yisrael later on, I have no idea. Never thought about that. Okay. So God is reliable. That's what we're saying here. God is true and reliable. Udvarav chayim kayamim, and God's words are live and established, living and established. Nemadim v'nechmadim, faithful and beloved. When? forever and ever and ever, right? For our ancestors as well as us. Our children and all generations, which might mean all future, in context seems to mean all future generations, right? If we say my children and all generations, that seems to mean I'm counting forward. For all generations of the seed of Israel, your servants. Al harishonim, al archonim, for the for the for the people long ago and for the people in the future, first and last, 
Davar Tovikayam Leolam Vaed. This is a established good thing forever. Emet Vemunachok Veloyavor. It's true and faithful. It's a rule, cannot be broken. What is that thing we're about to say? Emet Shatau Hashem Avotenu. You are a, truthfully, you are our God, our King, King of our ancestors, our Redeemer, Redeemer of our ancestors, our Creator. The, uh, the rock of our salvation, our Savior and our Savior. Your, this name of yours go, was back from forever, and there is none other God other than you. So basically what we're saying is God is a rock, metaphorically, meaning an immovable, strong ruler who does what in this paragraph in general? It's not create, not revealing law, but rather save. So we have words like pode and matzil, which means to redeem and to save. And this is not Christian salvation. This is not metaphoric. This means um, to protect from harm, right? Pode and matzil are very concrete words, as is sur, right? So this is talking about God's power, so it's very nice. You could say like God created the world and is up there somewhere and went away or God gave the Torah, right? And then went away. But this paragraph says, no, God is truth. Truly, we have this word emet over and over again. By the way, look at my, look at me. I have a visual here. I have a different Sidur, an Israeli Koran. And in this edition, it puts the word emet out in the, um, in the uh, margin, just to show you visually, okay, that emet is the key word, the thread that threads through the whole bracha, right? Which is to say, it keeps saying, really, truthfully, this is true. It's over and over again. So if he said, you know, what's the key word of the first bracha of the Shema, we'd probably say Yotzer. And what's the key word of the second bracha? We'd say Ahava. We counted it, I think, six times in the paragraph. Three times God loves us. Three times we love God's back. The key with this paragraph is clearly Emet. And we'll ask, why might that be? But I don't want to ask that question yet. But I just want you to think about it. Because if it's about God's saving power, oh, I would think the key word should be like, um, you know, some word that means saving power. Pode, matzil. We do have those words, but those are not the key words that come back over and over again. The one that appears, I think, six times in this paragraph. And by the way, Sephardim throw it in a few more times. They have a couple of extra emets in the Sephardi Sidur that we don't have in the Ashkenazi Sidur, right? And they all chime in together on the word emet. It's actually very lovely in, um, in a Mizrahi shul. And why is that? And why are we saying, why are we saying emet over and over again? So I'm going to pose that question. We're not going to answer it now. I just want to leave it hanging. Okay. Any questions so far? Questions, comments? Yep, Larry. And then Marshall. I was wondering if you could go back and just give your translation in the middle of the second paragraph after the Kayam Liolam Vahed, Emet Emunah. Because unless I'm yeah. looking at the translation in the Sim Shalom, just completely glosses over the distinction between emet 
and emunah. And by the way, there's a little paragraph, a little, sorry, a little pamphlet of a statement of um, principles of what conservative Jews are supposed to believe in was put out by the conservative movement about 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And it's called Emet Vemuna, right? Um, it's interesting. It's hard to translate because Emet really means true. Sorry. So um, linguistically, the word Emet, I just want to say, is related to the same root as Emuna. Okay. Emuna, Amen, Emet, all come <clears throat> to the same root. Um, it's the semantic universe meaning... Um, unimpeachably loyal and faithful and reliable. Loyal, faithful, reliable, right? So sometimes it can mean true. When we say amen, what we're saying is, I am faithfully agreeing with what you said, right? Um, Ten years ago, the young people used to say, word, that's what it means. That's what amen means. If someone else says something and you say word, which means, yeah, I totally agree with what you said. Okay. Fortunately, none of my children are in the room to make um, fun of me. Whenever I try to do youthful slang, they make fun of me. They say, they'll say, that wasn't 10 years ago. That was 15 years ago or something like that. Um, so I have no idea when it was. Um, um, and emunah here is a weird usage because normally it means faith. Like I have faith, right? It's a noun. So it's, it's true and it's faith. It's a, it's a truth and a faith that will never pass away, that is eternal. What it can also say? mean confidence, right? Okay, yeah. Again, it's like I am 1,000% sure I can rely on this thing. That's what it means. That's what the sense of it is. Faithful, reliable, loyal, 1,000% faithful, reliable, loyal. Well, we use the term in English, we use the term term true, not only to mean as opposed to false, but but to mean faithful. We say be true to your beliefs or. Yes, a true friend. Yes. Good. Marshall. Uh, The phrase me'olam shemecha, is it possible that refers to that God's tetragrammaton uh, existed from the time of creation? Sure, it could. I mean, you're and you're and. Uh, the question is, do we say name? Are, are we understanding name here to be m- more concrete, your actual name? Or do we understand it to be more metaphoric? Shame, uh, as it very often does, connoting, you know, like your essence and your reputation, right? Just as, just as we do in English. We say his name is Jonathan, or we say uh, he's got a good name, Right? Not that Jonathan, when we say he's got a good name, we don't necessarily mean Jonathan is a good name to have. We, we, we're saying something about the person, yeah, and, and their qualities. So I think it's possible to understand shame either the way you're suggesting, Marshall, which is more concretely or more symbolically and metaphorically. Other thoughts, questions, comments, Meyer? Meyer, um, Meyer. Just something that occurs to me, I want to see what you think about this. But the leaping off point for me is about the, at the end of the Shema, about uh, leaving yes. Egypt. Yes. And then it goes from that into the Ani Hashem So yeah. it feels to me that it's reminiscent almost at the beginning of the Ten Commandments. 
And I wonder if this is a transcendental thing that we're moving towards. We're leaving Egypt and moving towards Harsinai, where revelation essentially occurred. And met, actually, I think, if I'm not mistaken about the word truth, I think it comes from an old English word, which is trua, which I think originally meant loyal before eventually being, became the meaning of truth that we know it. Mm-hmm. But uh-huh. the idea being that what's represented next is sort of, another thing that's interesting about uh, is that when we were in Egypt, we were choiceless, right, as slaves. And then when you leave a slave identity, you then have to make decisions and make choices. And right at the base of Harasinai, we're given our first choice. So to me, I feel as though this is moving from the physical out to the Bamidbar almost into the potentially transcendental where we're leading up now towards the Shemot Asherah to a complete place. And the other reference for this I'm looking at is, is the reference to the, um, um, you know, the, um, you know, Mikamocha, right? Going back to crossing the sea, the, um, the Shirat Hayam. Um, and then, uh, and then of course we, we moved to Gula. So feeling like we're on a path. Does that make any sense to you? Okay. Yes. So I have no objection to you experiencing it that way, Meyer. Only thing is I want to make a counter argument. The whole next paragraph as Radhavotenu is not about that. It's really all about the physical saving and leaving from Egypt. So yes, link from Egypt. Um, um, and you can say there's total loyalty to you as implies Sinai and choice. Um, but I think the emphasis of the bracha is the loyalty to you is it, it's that you, the paragraph is really about you are loyal to us, right? You are faithful to us because now I'm, I'm going to have this whole long description in Nazarada Voteno about what you did. So I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying I don't get that nuance out of it, right? I get right. the nuance out of it. Um, uh, Here's what you did. Now, here's Ezra Atenu. You are our ancestor's helper, and we all know what this paragraph is about, right? Forever and ever. Again, we have Magen, Umoshia, uh, a savior and a rescuer, right? Behold or Vador. Um, from the Rum Olam Oshavet. Yeah, but still, referring again, leaving, leaving Mitzrayim. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, but I'm saying it's all Mitzrayim. I think it's not Sinai. That's what I'm saying. Right. I, I got it. I don't read it that way. It doesn't. Sorry, it doesn't resonate with me that way. And again, all these prayers they resonate with each one of us differently. So I'm I'm not saying you're resonating wrong, Meyer. I'm just saying I, I don't I don't get that resonance from it. Just right? something just recently occurred to me. So I was asking. Yeah. Him, yeah. So so um, Berum Olam Shavecha. Although you are, I'm I'm putting in. Um, uh, I'll get rid of the although. You sit way there on the top of the world. I love the I love the concrete verticality of this, right? Where does where does God live? You know, up ab- above my ceiling, above the second story, way up there, right? Um, this, this is how ancient people conceived you? of it. Jonathan, where are you? Uh, second line of Israda Botenu. Just keep going. Turn it's the page. Shalom is one hundred and four. Uh, turn the page to 104 or 35, as Rada right? So you are our ancestor's helper. You are their Magena Moshiach for their, 
for the children after them, their savior and helper. Right? You sit at the top of the world and your laws have sway till the ends of the earth, which means, God, you are extremely lofty. Okay, so we're talking about God as universal. So happy is the person who listens to your Torah and mitzvot and thinks about them in their mind. Okay. Truly, you are your people's master and a great king to fight their fight, literally. You are the first and you are the last. This is from Isaiah, by the way, that phrase. We have no other savior before you. And then we have the long description of the saving from Egypt, right? You took us out of Egypt. You slay their firstborn. Uh, they drowned. Your people emerged from the sea. And so what did they do? They sang. They rejoiced to the God who who brings low the mighty and raises up the lowly. He releases the prisoners. He um, redeems or saves the humble. He helps the poor people. And he answers his nation when they call to him. And they so they sang praises to you. What did they sing? Who is like you, God? Right? So notice the theme here is not just you saved us. Thank you. But your saving us proves that you are the most lofty, most powerful force in the universe. Okay, it's evidence of that. So the author made a theological statement, right? You rule over everything. And then the author tells you, and Tachlis, practically, what is the evidence of that? Well, the evidence of that is you took these lowly slaves out from this mighty empire. And this shows that you are what we see as apparent about the forces of the world. The strong are strong and the weak are crushed. Okay. You have the power to reverse that and overturn that. And in fact, you did that. Okay. It's our, 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 our ground zero of our founding as a nation, ground zero of our founding as a nation is the exodus from Egypt. And why is that? And what does that imply? That that's the formative event of our people. I, I want to, well, let's let that question hang also. Okay. But the formative event out of which we're formed, by the way, notice it doesn't say you took Abraham out of ur Kastim and you helped him you know, when the five kings beat the four kings in Genesis chapter 14, you, um, you know, helped him beat the five kings. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say anything about Jacob and the citizens of Shechem. It doesn't say anything about anything else, right? Any of that stuff. It's Exodus. Very timely that we're studying this, right? Since we're a part of Vaera, right? We're, just, we're in the story now on Shabbos, just as it's heating up. Okay. So God... In, in truth, Emet, over and over again, you are faithful, <laughs> loyal, reliable. You are a rock, okay? You are the eternal whose sway holds over the entire universe, right? And 
And again, theologically, this is so ironic. I just want to point out the, the irony of it. Unintentional irony. You rule the entire universe. And so you chose to save our ancestors, this group of slaves from slavery. All right. And so what did they do? They thanked you. And they sang a song. And they said, Hashem Yimloch Le'olam Va'ed. We have, again, we have recurrently in this, in this paragraph stuff about Le'olam, La'ad, Le'olme Olamim, right? It's eternal, both eternal backwards and eternal forwards. Hashem Yimloch Le'olam Va'ed is looking towards which tense? What tense is that? Future. Future. So you did this. You did this long ago at the sea. And what did the people say when they thanked you? You will rule ever and ever. Okay. So our witnessing in this paragraph, as it were, if I can use sort of a Christian term, our witnessing is that our ancestor said, which means who is like you among the gods? It is a rhetorical question, right? So it's in Shirat Hayam. It's the statement of there's no one like you. And they also said, Hashem, you will rule for all eternity, not just at this moment, not just in the past. And then, of course, this leads us to say, so, I'm putting, I'm inserting so. So, Sur Yisrael, Rock of Israel, Kuma, Bezrat Yisrael, which is a way of saying, new, right? Do what you promised you do, right? Now, today, arise and save Israel, right? Neum is speeches. It's all of the proclamations of the prophets. So save Judah and Israel, just like all of those prophecies that you gave. Redeem us, Hashem Tzvaot, of the Holy Name, the Holy One of Israel. Blessed are you, Hashem. Ga'al Yisrael, we're ending time, so I'm going to come back to this. There are issues about the tense of Ga'al Yisrael. It's weird because normally, Vered, what would we expect it to say? Baruch Hashem. Go'el. Go'el Yisrael, Redeemer of Israel in the present tense. But it's Ga'al Yisrael. Blessed are you, Hashem, um, who redeemed Israel. But it says that actually in, in awkward Grammar, like we said, Hashem Yotzer Creator of the Light. We said Hashem Habocher You choose, right? You are Creator. You are Chooser. We would expect to say you are Redeemer, Goel Yisrael. So there's all kinds of discussion about why it's Goel Yisrael. I'll come back to that another time. So basically, if I can, if I can lay it all out, and we'll finish with this, and then we'll talk about it more next time. Lay it all out. We're saying, in truth, in truth, in truth, in truth, in truth, over and over again, God is loyal, faithful, reliable. The metaphor for that in the beginning and at the end of the bracha is the concrete metaphor for that. No pun intended. Is <laughs> rock? Okay, rock. You are so. This is in their world. This is them in the author's world. This is the metaphor of the the toughest thing, the hardest thing they know that they can imagine. What would we say? I don't know. Steel, iron, right? We we have things like that. The Iron Man, right? 
man of steel. So we would have things that we think are harder than rock, right? Um, but the, the metaphor, of, like a diamond, right? So their metaphor is rock, okay? Um, and what does the rock do, right? So you're eternal, you have eternal sway, but the key action that God does in this paragraph is save. And save is not metaphoric. It is not theological. It is not religious. It means protection from harm, okay? Or to release from harm. It's very specific and very concrete, okay? What's the proof of this? That you did this in Egypt over 3,000 years ago, okay? This, so we have all these theological propositions. Here's the evidence of that. You did this. And when you did this, by the way, our ancestors recognized this. They, they, this is the moment that crystallized this theology for them because they said, Mi chamocha ba'ilim Hashem, who is like you among the other deities, Hashem, rhetorical question, meaning no one, right? You are unique. Alan, I'll get to you in a second. Okay. And they said, you rule forever. Hashem yilach lo'am va'ed. And so we conclude and say, okay, now in the year 621 or 1553 or 2021, okay, so come establish your rule and protect and redeem. So it is a present and future looking thing, just as we saw at the end of Yotzer, right? The blessing was Or Hadash Al Tzion Ta'ir, right? Cause a new light to shine upon Zion. So none of these things are just. Oh, gee, it's a nice theological idea. They have implications, right? So we need your saving power now. Alan? Yeah. What you were saying, Avi, may be part of the, for all Yisrael, it may be part of the proof text. You said, this, because it is the proof text for what God did that led, that led us to this ongoing faith, that it switches to the past tense to emphasize of what, of what was done. Yes, but we can be. talk that's about it. Right. Yeah, we'll talk about it in the future. We'll talk more about the tense. So that's one of the one of the possibilities. Other thoughts in wrapping up, and I'm not getting to. And what are your thoughts about this idea? We'll talk about that maybe next week. Okay, but for this week, just want to see how it all hangs together. Does it make sense in general? Is it yeah. sort of coherent? Again, we yeah. have several disparate paragraphs, but it coheres as an idea, which is in truth. You are the eternal God of, of the most powerful thing we can imagine. We use the metaphor of a rock, okay? Um, and there, for, if you, you were forever, so you're ours forever, past and future. There is proof of this. What is the proof? That the slaves were able to escape mighty Pharaoh and Pharaoh's army. You did this thing in history, okay? So this is proof of the concept, I have evidence of the of this theological statement. We have evidence of this theological statement. And when that happened, our ancestors spontaneously created that theology, acknowledged that theology by saying, and which summarizes it all. And then we conclude by coming back to us saying, hey, and we need some of that saving power now. Okay, so it's it's a theological statement, it's Jewish history, and then it's 
forward-looking in terms of what we need from God now and in the future. So I'm going to, I'm going to call time. There's a lot more to say about this. We'll discuss it more next week. So for next week, we're going to think about um, how does this fit in the sequence of three brachot? Um, why does the, is the key word emet over and over again? It might've been podeh or matzil or something, but we have emet over and over again. Um, and, uh, how does it resonate with you? And I thank Meyer for starting off on this. He takes it, uh, moving us to Sinai, um, uh, uh, even as we're leaving Israel. So that's a good thought with which to move forward into our day. So everyone stay healthy, be Torah, and I'll see you next week. God willing. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.